On today's episode of Chalk Talk, we welcome on Coach Matt June, who's going to be giving us a fun and full breakdown of rotation, something that we haven't talked about, but something Coach June has been spending a lot of time talking with his athletes and different groups of coaches on. So we thought we'd bring on a special guest and have this topic and this conversation. So as always, go to platform.com. That's plt4m.com. If you want to check out more, there's lots of great insights, lots of great articles. We're here to help as you navigate this as a coach, as an athlete, as a teacher, or a student. So we'll go ahead and get started. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right. As I mentioned at the front end of the show, we have a special guest on today and Coach Matt June. Typically when we do our EDU style podcast, we tap into uh, – Coach Brez, who is one of the co-founders here at Platform, but Matt, we uh, got connected just through different channels, and and you know you were interested in having different conversations and helping to kind of further the conversation of strength and conditioning, and we landed on rotation and the rotational athlete to talk about. But before we actually dive into the nuts and bolts, it's always helpful for our audience just get to know who we're actually listening to and talking to uh, a little bit about your background in the world of coaching and strength and conditioning. Thanks, Doug. I appreciate it. Um, so I graduated from SUNY Cortland uh, with a degree in kinesiology and a master's in exercise science. I coached baseball there. I played baseball there. Um, immediately following that, I took a job in Westchester, New York called Athletes Warehouse, where we worked with primarily youth athletes, but collegiate and professional as well, um, all sports. Uh, in my time there, we started to kind of gear towards baseball, women's lacrosse, men's lacrosse. So we had a lot of rotational athletes. Um, from there, I moved back to my hometown. I was a strength coach at the College of St. Rose in Albany, New York. Um, after the pandemic, things have changed. So I now am working at a facility called Premier Golf and Fitness. So I mostly deal with golf athletes and, and some baseball. So my primary focus now is dealing with rotational athletes. And I think that's why we have led to this point of having this discussion about how we train the rota rotational athlete and who the rotational athlete really is. Awesome. And obviously, just like with every other sport, we always talk about, we see what's happening at the professional level and we see some of the mimicry and some of the kind of like work that athletes are doing within that specific sport. And we think it needs to translate to that high school level. Um, and so for rotational athletes, as we were talking, you mentioned you were seeing a lot of people wanting to just kind of swing things, swing fast stuff and think that that was going to train rotation. But you've been having a lot of conversations with your athletes and with a lot of the coaches that work with them about kind of the bigger picture of how you work to improve the entire system of an athlete and not just thinking that you have to target rotation over and over and over again because of the different pieces. So we're going to dive into that. Um, first off, we want to just, as always, make sure that everyone's on the same page for a lot of different you know, just basic definitions of things. We will get into the rotation itself, but before we do, there was something kind of in terms of just planes of motion that I think is worth just defining quickly and then diving into the kinematic sequence because it helps put into context where rotation sort of fits into all of that. Absolutely. Um, I think you guys have already done a great job explaining power force. I, I believe your audience understands those concepts. In terms of planes of motion, um, if we don't know, you have three planes of motion that we understand. The frontal plane, the sagittal plane, and, and the transverse plane. Um, a lot of people think that rotation happens only in the transverse plane, but we should understand that 
it happens in all three. And what the frontal plane is, if you want to think about it, it's like doing a jumping jack. Okay, you're in that plane, the frontal plane. Sagittal would be anything going forward and back. Even a, even a sprint would be your sagittal. And then transverse, we can think rotation, but just think that you're spinning. Okay, those are your three planes to understand that we are doing all three when we rotate. Now, in terms of kinematic sequence, I think this is the biggest area where we need to have an understanding because the sequencing of what is happening and sequencing is in terms of the body moving. Okay. So when we're rotating, we understand this, it comes from the ground up. Energy comes from the ground up. When we rotate, our hips have to move first, then our torso, then our arms. And then whatever it is that we're either swinging or a ball, if it's in our hand, or even if it's a punch to our fist. So understanding that the sequence goes from the ground up, the hip must move first, then the torso, then the arms, then whatever it is is in your hand. So that's a big one because, you know, that is rotation. And that is where all the technology and all the research is in now is understanding this sequence. And in terms of training, we want to figure out how to better train the sequence. Gotcha. So, and I think that's a good explanation because often we kind of look at where it's happening, like what you can visually see, as you mentioned with those different planes as well, like, Ooh, like, because we're kind of rotating around, it has to be in that last plane, like you mentioned, of like considering where it's happening. But good to know that it's happening in all three, as well as we're not just rotating around our core. We're not just working like our arm as we're turning. Like there's a lot of other pieces of that puzzle or that sequence that have to happen first and have to happen safely and well before that you before you can successfully rotate. So I think that's a good start. And with that, obviously, it starts to elicit some images of who it is we're talking about um, and talking about who is the rotational athlete. Um, I think maybe we can start with the most obvious ones and then probably dive into the ones that uh, maybe don't jump out on the page. But who are some of those athletes that from both the coaches and the athletes themselves consider themselves like I am the rotational athlete. And maybe you can give a few examples within each sport just to kind of like paint the picture of what we're talking about. Absolutely. Obvious ones, anybody who swings or throws, right? You have baseball, softball, golf, javelin, um, lacrosse, boxing or any fighting hockey. Those all require some level of swing or a throw. And you know that we're rotating. That's what, you know, if you're seeing, thinking about that image, that's the image we see. But we forget about the other things. Sprinting is a rotational sport, and we forget it because we think just spinning. Um, every sport is rotation. Basketball, football, soccer. We all rotate in some level. It's, again, what is your position? What is your sport? And what, how are you rotating? Um, and, and when we move on to training, I think that's where we really make those differences. But for the rotational athlete, yes, let's think throwing and swinging but understand the concept that we all rotate and they all require sequencing. Like I go back to, so sequencing equals rotation. They're all rotating rotational athletes. Just be careful when we use that term and understand that we, we know we all rotate, but there is certain differences among them. Sure. And I think some of the ones that you said that don't jump off the page, I'm going to push you on a little bit so I can understand it of like yeah. basketball, you kind of think of like the, like a throw, like a chest pass, they're rotating right. to make that chest pass. But soccer's one would rotation still count going kind of the opposite direction. I think of someone kind of swinging around to kick the ball, maybe a punter, maybe a, uh, the goalie on a free kick, whatever it may be is rotating, but it's happening on the lower end of the body. Would that still be considered in kind of the larger realm 
something that would, you know, most people would call rotation. Oh, I don't think it's considered. I think it's 100%. That is rotation, especially when you watch a slow motion kick and you'll be able to see all of it happening. Same concept, 100%. Gotcha. So, and I think that's uh, uh, what I always like to do is kind of say like, let's draw it out. Let's look at it a little bit and think about like, you know, where is the rotation happening? And like you said, everyone who's thinking about sprinting or anything else like that, can you talk through what's sprinting again in just a little bit more detail, how that looks like a rotation, whether it's change of direction or purely just kind of like that, you know, motion itself? How does that fit into this equation? Yeah, absolutely. I think the best way to understand sprinting, right? Forever, we were taught to understand, and it's still taught that everything in sprinting happens in this sagittal plane. Watch the best sprinters of all time. Okay. Watch Usain Bolt. You watch his shoulders. The second this happens, that now turns into rotation. Yeah. Um, and I think it, to make it simple, understand that this is not sprinting. It's not up and down, forward and back. There's a lot going on. There's rotation at the hip, there's rotation at the shoulder, rotation at the torso. And there must be because that's how the human body works. So, even how, how slight that is, again, that is rotation, even though it's small. It doesn't, you don't see a swing, but watch any slow motion sprint and you will see those slight rotations. Right. And I think that's like helpful to know. And again, back to all of the different groups, someone in somewhere is rotating within their sport and it, it applies to them. Um, often though, I think, you know, we look at a typical strength and conditioning program and, and now transitioning to kind of the training itself or considering the larger picture, we take the approach at platform of, you know, training that holistic athlete and understanding that everything you're doing is sort of building into, um, you know, the, the bigger picture of an athlete, whether you are considering yourself a rotational athlete or a skill athlete or all of the different kind of buckets that often get thrown at kids and at students. Cause you know, the world of specialization, but you know, sometimes what we often try to do, and I know you have these conversations with your athletes is help them understand, like here in a typical strength and conditioning program, the things that you might not even consider to be training rotation is actually working to develop that skill. So we're going to dive through like we have in past episodes to kind of discuss some of those things that's happening in a typical strength and conditioning program that we are in fact training rotation in its own way. It's not what we're like, circling it and labeling rotation training or anything else like that it's happening often within the program so i don't know you know matt you you outlined a, a number of them where you want to start or sort of talk about kind of helping to put that in perspective but i think that's a good next step to understand sort of where it's happening especially for high school athletes yeah and i'm glad you said that last part i want to make the focus the high school athlete okay so high school athletes high school coaches when we're talking training understand who you're training who is your population and i think it's a great way to start because like you started with this podcast we're not training the elite athlete just yet nor should we be okay when we get to that elite level that's a different conversation but for sure. here understand it's the high school athlete and that means that someone could be 14 years old okay we're developing so that by the time they go into college or their next level they are at their peak or whatever. You don't get to throw 90 miles per hour your, for your entire career. So don't, don't think you're going to do it at 14 years old and it's going to happen when you're 21. So right. it's an easy way to think about it. Understand your population. And I think that's easy to start with because now you go, okay, our population is the high school athlete. So where do we begin? If you're a rotational athlete, the number one thing I talked about, we must sequence properly. So what do you need? You've got technology now. You should probably have a level of baseline testing 
for obviously the movement screening, injury risk assessment, but you need to also start to see the person move. Um, what I've been doing a lot is with my golfers, I'll say, Hey, can you just give me a video? I'm not a golf pro, but I can see the sequence in a slow motion swing. So from the very beginning, what are you measuring? What are you testing? So that you have baseline stuff because you can't just have someone come in and say, Oh yeah, I have the perfect rotational athlete program and boom, boom, boom. We know everyone's a little bit different, but you have to have some level of an outline, in my opinion, in terms of what are we measuring? What are we testing? Easy stuff. You don't need much. If you have med balls, you can throw a med ball. If you have a radar, you can test radar so you can get speed. Um, you can throw for distance. You can do vertical jump, which is basic. Injury-wise, obviously range of motion, but basic stuff. As a high school coach, maybe you have a whole group. You can't do a ton of things. I've been doing jump rope testing for multiple different reasons. All right, what can, how many can you get in 30 seconds? Now I'm testing almost like a fatigue thing. So when I have athletes come in, I say, wow, you only did 50 jump ropes today, but on the first day you came in here, you had 150 in 30 seconds. What's going on? So now I have some level of measurement based on performance, some level of an injury risk analysis, and then some level of, of, of fatigue readiness testing. Um, I think that's super important to understand because now you have some mapping as a coach. Okay, here's how I'm going day to day. Every day is an assessment. And with youth athletes, with so much going on with school and their, their regular day life, you need to have those numbers, in my opinion, simply as a way to direct. Now, how do we get to the actual training piece? You have a plan. Gotcha. So, and just kind of to push you one step further, because I think a lot of people might listen to this and say, oh, well, I don't have a radar gun or I don't have some of like the more advanced technology. You use jump rope testing or things like that. Are you more so saying that some of those just baseline testing helps us see if kids are progressing or not? Or what is it that those tests would use from a rotational perspective? Um, just help me understand a little bit in terms of like, what are those basic tests and why would you, you personally use them in your training? Absolutely. So, Let's take the performance one first. I know not everyone has med balls, but if you have med balls, all right, and you guys have talked, you guys have talked about the force velocity uh, curve before. So for rotational athletes, right, a great way to think about this is say you have a 10-pound med ball and a six-pound med ball, all right, and I have you come in and I say, all right, we're going to throw the 10-pound med ball and you throw it 20 feet because I don't have a radar gun, so I'm measuring distance. And then you throw the six-pound 20 feet. We have a problem. Right. So the force strength, you threw the 10 pound just as far as you threw your light med ball. So now I know right away, okay, this athlete has some level of strength, but maybe we need to work on velocity and then vice versa. Maybe you throw something super far with the six pounder. So you can, you have, you can elicit some level of power rotationally. Again, I'm talking about some level of a shot put or a rotational throw with a med ball. But then the 10 pounder only goes five feet. I'm like, okay, we need to just get stronger. It, it seems simple and it is, but at least it gives you some level of, you're not guessing. Now I know, okay, this athlete needs more force or strength development rather than velocity and then vice versa. And you can continually test those things. And like you said, now in a progression standpoint, right? Say you have an athlete for four years, you can say, wow, look at how far we've come just with a med ball throw. Then you can compare it to, exit velocity, swing speed, whatever it may be. Again, the more information you can kind of measure like that and make it simple, I think it's just a great way to check yourself and make sure your athletes are developing 
not too fast, not too slow. Um, and then the jump rope test is more, is a fatigue thing. All right. You know, as we go through training, especially as a high school athlete, they might be gassed. They come off a weekend of playing a tournament. They have a Monday workout with you. And like I said, I have this baseline number for what I think is their best jump rope test. If they come in and they can't hit those numbers and they got a ton of mistakes, I know something is off. So you have to be a coach and, and understand, okay, now we have to change this, the, the setting. We're not going to train velocity if we're fatigued. I think we all understand that at this point, but how do you know? Unless you're, you have some special superpower where you can just see an athlete and say, oh, he's fatigued and he's not ready today. It's a great way to just test it very simply. And especially in a group setting, like a lot of high school coaches have big groups. You can just test it right off the bat. Takes two seconds. Gotcha. And I think I do want to just take a step back because we'll often, um, and I think we jumped ahead because of some of the questions I was asking, but to take one step backwards, actually, you were talking about like the force and power and some of those things that we know might be developed or underdeveloped. I think that actually illuminates probably the greater point of working with a high school athlete in that a lot of times we want to go right to the fancy stuff. We want to go right to the kind of like, um, you know, sexy med ball tosses and, you know, taking the, the like swing stick and practicing with it and all those different types of things. But as you mentioned, sometimes just some of the basics are underdeveloped. So is it fair to say with rotation that doing sort of, you know, the basic work around strength and power and things like that are going to help develop it. So just the standard before we get into sort of the fancy stuff, doing the basics of a, of a solid fundamental strength and conditioning program is actually working to develop that rotation. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so happy you asked that because it's getting missed more and more because of all the sexiness that we see because of Instagram, because you have a coach that might see a movement and just say, oh, we're going to do this today without ever trying it. It has to be fundamentals always. And I, I don't think that ever changes, to be honest. I think you're always going back to fundamentals. Every time I have a new group start, we reverse it. We go right back to bodyweight movements, rolling, crawling, just understanding the movements. And yes, it's going to help, especially when you have athletes who are not advanced in the weight room. There is no reason to rush them. There is no, there, there is no risk reward for rushing any athlete. And that's inclusive of weight or doing something crazy. You've never even done before for yourself. Um, fundamentals always. Gotcha. And to take that one step further, like we had a question from a coach that came up in this, in this kind of field of like, well, I noticed you're doing, you know, a lot of squatting, a lot of lunges, a lot of, you know, pressing, pulling, AKA those foundational elements of training. Um, but I don't see any rotation taught. Um, I don't see a lot of the rotation happening at that fundamental level. And I think, you know, for one reason or another, sometimes we do some of those other things first, but would you in, in that question or say, you know, well, those elements of kind of locking down the, the squat, lunge, hinge, all of those like foundational movements are actually working to build into the rotation. Like how would you respond to a coach like that? How would you sort of help kind of illuminate like the connection between the, the foundations and where we're trying to get to with rotation itself? Well, let's go back to that kinematic sequencing. When you're squatting, you're still sequencing. When you're doing any of those movements, you're still sequencing. So you're training sequencing, common sense. You're training some level of whatever your rotation or whatever your movement is. Yes. Okay. Your sequencing is getting better. But I think we should also understand that when we're talking about rotation versus swinging something, swinging, those are all skills. So 
that found foundation must happen from a skill. You know what I mean? If you're teaching the swing, understand the mechanics of the swing and, and it goes hand in hand. And, and I think this is one of the disconnects that happens with our field and sport coaches is the lack of communication. You know, I will reach out to a golf coach or a golf pro and say, Hey, can you tell me what, what you see from your standpoint? Just so I understand the swing. Um, so to sum that part up, yes, I think the foundation movements will help with rotation for sure. It's still sequencing, but understand that there is a difference between the skill and then just actually learning how to rotate. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's actually a really helpful comparison and like good kind of uh, line drawn and understanding that that skill, as you as you talked about, is often developed actually at sports practice and like doing that within sports practice and where you've talked about developing that full range, that full kinematic sequence is happening, you know, in the weight room or in your facility as you're training more of the strength and conditioning. How do we bridge that gap sometimes is where coaches want to see it happening in the weight room. They want to see rotation and they want to see the actual like movement that we've been talking about. So for someone maybe that is just looking to say, I want to add in some rotational training into my strength and conditioning program, or I want to just develop that a little bit from a strength and conditioning perspective. Are there any just kind of concrete or basic examples of like, before we dive into the craziness, you've already talked a little bit about med ball throws or different things like that, but can you sort of just outline some of the basic ones? Maybe we can pick one and then actually talk about even just how we teach it or how we coach it to an athlete that's maybe never done rotation in that sense of the word. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's funny because there is a lot of ways to do it. And something that I've just been doing on my own is I've been spending time with jumping because a, it's a foundational movement, but now instead of just doing a two-legged broad jump, I might start with a single leg broad jump and then turn it into, okay, now I'm going to do a lateral jump. Now I turn it into a lateral broad jump with a rotation. So I'll have an athlete face one direction, be on one, one foot and we'll, jump, rotate, and then land in a broad jump facing forwards, if that makes sense. So again, when we're dealing with youth, my approach is I try to keep it fundamental and then just add those small things in. And then you can progress that to, you know, a low level rotational box jump, very basic, but you're training it. And I always like to joke with them. They're like, Oh coach, do I have to do this, this, and this with my hip and there? I said, no, just jump. I want you to be human first. Let's, let's do these. And you'd be very surprised with how quickly, especially a young athlete, can just explore the movement and then teach themselves automatically. Um, that might be a basic one you can start with. Just some some level of low impact rotational jumps. Again, risk reward, safe, and you got great reward. Continue doing rotational jumps. I guarantee you'll get some level of progress. Um, but then also just your basic core stuff. The, the word gets thrown around so much, but it's so, so vital to any movement, especially rotation, as we know, and doing your basic planks side. Pl- I, I've, I've had a tremendous amount of horrible side planks with rotational athletes, which to me, guys, we, if we get this better, I guarantee you're going to be a little more stable or you're going to be able to decelerate a little better during your stuff. So again, w- w- back to what you were saying, keep it basic first before you get anything crazy. Can you do regular plank movement, side planks? Can you do some level of an anti-rotational hold you know, a pal off hold where you're holding just a light band out in front and you're resisting rotation. If you can't do the basics like that, if you can't jump and land properly, it's not time to focus on rotation just yet. Yeah. And I think the one you just actually gave is a 
awesome example because often we think we again back to the mimicry we need to be doing the rotation explosively but what you just described are some movements where we're actually resisting rotation where we're actually like holding a pose via your core movements like a pal off press with the band and you're resisting that rotation i think that's awesome to again understand that it doesn't always have to be like that big sexy movement where you're throwing the med ball as hard as you can up against a wall there's place and time for that and that's certainly another way that you can develop some of that um, and work on the sequence in a different way. But I think you just outlined some cool ways that it doesn't always have to be that. And it can be pretty basic for a lot of kids to be able to develop because another point I think that you made as an excellent way is a lot of these kids are learning how to rotate in their sport before they do it safely in a weight room. You know, youth, youth sports is working on a lot of that like rotation within a swing or within a throw or like within that sport sequence. And so that when we get them, they already have some habits that we almost need to sometimes think about breaking down and building back up kind of layer by layer. Absolutely. Um, and I also think it just to build off that, when we're talking about all the swinging and the rotating in the weight room, I, I think it's a good time to mention as coaches, we need to take a step back. And as youth athletes, you need to understand, yes, we are designed to do rotation, but we're not designed to do it all the time. So be very, very mindful of your athletes and of yourself as an athlete. Yeah. If you just have, if you just went and swung or threw for an hour at practice or in a game, please do not go in the weight room and throw a med ball or swing something, do overspeed training. Cause we, you see it. And you're not developing anything. And and if anything, you're actually putting yourself at a more risk for injury. So be mindful of that, because I just want to touch on that. As you said that I'm seeing it where even to the point where we go through a training and I'll have athletes who want to go swing the club now for max velocity. It's not advantageous to anything. Right. And we've actually talked about that from a vertical perspective in the past. Hey, I want to improve my vertical. The kid's always dragging out the box and just jumping every single day. And and it's actually doing a disservice because we're not layering in those other pieces. Um, I, I, I think that's an awesome point in and of itself because we're thinking a little bit more about like just because you're doing it, we don't want to overtrain it either. We don't want to just constantly be thinking about how is this doing it because the larger puzzle, as you've talked about, has in, in rotation stability. It has control. It has you know doing things safely and avoiding injury prevention and all of those pieces past just looking for what I think the end result of a lot of people wanting is that explosive movement. They want to just get to that explosive movement and think, let's train it, train it train it. Um, but let's take a step back. Like you talked about, um, and think about more the bigger picture of what we're actually developing and the different pieces that will help us to sequence that together. Absolutely. Um, I I think also too, that we should, before we move on, we should understand, I, I continue to say this, I say be an athlete. Okay. And I've had several golf athletes now, some groups, we, we have high school kids where the first 10, 15 minutes is training like an athlete. And it's funny because you'll have parents or spectators who walk through the gym and say, this is golf training. And I said, yes, no, this is athlete training because we're all athletes. And I, again, it's back to the simplicity of things, but you'd be amazed if you had a group of people, instead of doing all these very specific dynamic stretches, take your youth group and do a simple ladder drill, do some jumps, do some mirror drills. You're going to get rotation. I promise you're going to get competition. You're going to get buy-in. You're going to get all of these things. But at the end of the day, you're also trained to be an athlete in something that, especially in a sport like golf or, or even as a hitter now in softball and baseball, 
or as a pitcher, we're almost getting to only one sport in one position and we're forgetting to be the athlete that we are meant to be. So I think it's something cool that everyone should understand that throw the athlete training in too. keep the basics up. It doesn't need to be anything crazy. Once in a while, we'll bring a spike ball net out. If you guys know what spike ball is, and that's our warm up. Watch kids compete in spike ball. You hit every range of motion you need to hit, and you're trained to be an athlete. Sure, and I think that's even more important. Of obviously, you know, in your work, you're you're sometimes developing athletes that are really trying to kind of take one sport to the next level. And a lot of those kids might just be playing another sport or they might be a multi-sport athlete and need different types of training and, and overall development. Like we've talked about, not often do we find a lot of kids, high school kids that are so specialized that they need to only be doing X, Y, or Z. Like you talked about at the beginning, you know, at the, at the elite athlete level, maybe it works for, you know, a pro golfer, or whoever it may be, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, who's trying to mash a ball 500 yards, but to the more high school athlete and the athlete that's, I think that's an awesome point to sort of start to wrap up on is thinking about we're, we're developing that whole picture. Um, the only thing that we haven't touched on that I just want to like, you know, hear your thoughts and, and pick apart a little bit is sort of talking about some of the injury that you've mentioned and, and understanding some of the exposed nature that we can be at when we are rotating, I think that can often come up in conversation and being able to understand that, like, you know, when you're rotated and extended, you're maybe putting certain body parts in a little bit more of harm's way in athletics. Um, and I think you've talked a lot about injury prevention. I don't know if you want to kind of merge those two ideas and, and talk a little bit about why not only in rotation, are we looking to get it and develop it, but we're also making sure that we continue injury prevention, knowing that when we're in some of these exposed positions, we're rotated and kind of in a vulnerable spot. Absolutely. And and to be honest, I think this is kind of the way I almost train rotation is just with this prior knowledge. Injury prevention is my number one concern, especially with youth athletes. Um, in terms of the actual rotation, where's the issue? It's decelerating. We can all accelerate pretty fast. It, it, and you'll see that a lot of the times injury comes from not being able to throw the brakes on, right? The sequencing again. If your hips cannot decelerate fast enough and the torso starts coming, what what do we see? We see compensation, more compensation, more risk of injury. It's very basic, but we forget we must train deceleration. And that was my point to everything else is train your brakes, especially at a youth athlete level. You can continue to accelerate. You're going to be doing it in your own skill sport. You're going to be training it all the time. Make the focus, decelerating, do a good job of understanding. Can your athlete decelerate? It's a huge one. And I think it's, it's probably one of the most important in a lot of the training, like the, the anti-rotational holds and in a lot of isometric holds do these things. It's going to help the brakes. Yeah. Um, one of my mentors, she gave me one of these lines in, in terms of injury for rotation. Okay. Uh, the most vulnerable that the spine is, is when it's in extension with rotation. We're there a lot sometimes. And I think from an injury pr perspective, be mindful of that. Be mindful when you see fatigue and maybe an athlete is getting to a position where they shouldn't be and be, be okay with shutting it down. Um, I think it's a huge issue. Again, we're afraid to shut athletes down now or to slow things down, or instead of jumping that day, like I said, do isometric training, work on your brakes, just be mindful of the athletes that you have and understand that rotation 
is a normal human thing. And you are not going to be the coach who's going to make somebody throw the ball 125 miles an hour or whatever, hit, hit a ball 500 yards in golf. Long-term development is the most important with injury prevention. And especially when it comes to youth athletes, don't overcomplicate your training. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, that's a good place, I think. And even in the idea of like the deceleration is, you know, like you said, everybody probably thinks they can jump or do a broad jump. Like I can take off, but can you land safely? Can you like kind of, and I think that's often a good one. Can you bring yourself almost to that stopping point safely without your knees buckling or whatever else it may be? I think that applies for a lot of things and, and a good point of like, you know, we can spin our wheels, but can we slow them down? Um, and we can do things at high speed, whether it's safe or not, but can we stop ourselves on a dime when we need to? And I think that's a really good kind of context. And then additionally, I think we've talked about, and it's fun, right? Kids want to do the stuff that they see their, you know, idols doing and kids want to understand that like I'm working to develop X, Y, and Z taking that moment to, I think back to the original point of the kinematic sequence and what we're doing from a, a baseline level, knowing that we're not just looking to just do it over and over again, but build up those different pieces because force, power, strength, you know, stability, control, capacity, even if you're tired and you can't do it in the fourth quarter, it's no good if you haven't kind of like worked on those other pieces of the puzzle. So I think that is all really helpful, especially for the coaches out there looking to say, well, you know, I want to make sure it's within our training. Well, if you look at it, um, it, it really is. And it's all throughout. You just have to understand those different pieces that we're working on for, like you said, that athlete picture, developing the full athlete. And I think that's an awesome place to sort of wrap up. I don't know if you have anything else you want to put your stamp on before we close, but I think that that has been a great conversation around something that we haven't quite talked about um, at Platform a lot, especially on the podcast. Yeah, no, and, and I appreciate you having me on. I think my final thing is just to wrap up what I've already been saying is in terms of rotation, Understand that it, it is natural for us to rotate, but it is unnatural for us to rotate all the time. So be mindful of your training. Make sure you have some level and outline, whoever your population is, but especially for your youth. Remember, you have time to develop. Focus on the breaks, focus on injury prevention, and I believe performance will come with that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate uh, you jumping on. This was awesome and a, a great conversation to have. Like I mentioned, we will um, go ahead and close out, but come check out platform.com. We didn't dive too much into Matt's experience and background and different kind of certifications and things like that, but we will put that on the website. If you're interested in sort of who actually was leading us to the, to the watering hole on this conversation, we'll, we'll give you a little bit more context there. And then if there are any questions, reach out to us. I think this is a, a conversation that could probably even develop, be developed further, but hopefully we give you a nice starting point to start to glom off of, and we can continue to have this conversation with coach June and other folks here at platform. So we'll go ahead and close up and thanks again for listening. As always, we close with that platform. It's always in pursuit of better.